podcast land. You have such a dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 146. My guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino, 6-1, LFA, Bantamweight prospect, Sean Lucky McPadden. It's a good one. Can't wait for you guys to check that one out a little bit later on. So, our intro and our schedule is as follows. We're going to have a jam-packed episode of CSWR today, my friends. We're going to have the results from the main event from Invicta of FC 49 from over there in Oklahoma. Uh, Bellator 286, co-main and main, plus the Rhino Gang roundup. We're going to have our full UFC Vegas 61 breakdown, drop of the night. Q&A with the Rhino Gang, and then the aforementioned 6-1, LFA Bantamweight, Sean Lucky McPadden goes 10 rounds of Rhino. So, without further ado, Tori. Let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So, everybody out there is going to have to bear with me for just a couple minutes because I'm going to have a little love letter to my girl, Jillian DeCourcy. Jillian DeCourcy goes into Oklahoma for her first chance ever at the Adam Waite title for Invicta FC, and it doesn't take her long. She had other things she had to do. She was ready to go party. She was ready to go have fun. She was ready to go do something else because she went in there. Her Jessica Dalboni took her down, put their RNC on in the first round, and won that belt. Jillian DeCourcy brought the belt back home to MMA Twitter. She brought the belt back home to Long Island. Jillian has been a friend. She is kind. She is funny. She is interactive. She is everything you want someone to be. And for her to finally get that chance to win gold and then bring it home was just like the feel-good moment of the fucking week for this guy for a lot of people listening i know you know some of you may only know her as the person who points out winky shots <laughs> but she is so much more than that she's a wonderful person wonderful fighter uh tori you were there to see it firsthand what was uh what was that kind of the experience like for you it was absolutely amazing i mean i was so honored and privileged to get to be there not just for the fights but also there uh with her camp and her team and the days leading up to it getting ready for you know that big giant <laughs> event that we all were just anticipating so much and it was a little nerve-wracking but I think she really believed in herself and everyone around her really did too so we it was just so self-assured we walked into that event and the crowd was great the the state was great everybody was so welcoming and to see her realize that dream to nail it so quickly in the first round only only finish of the night and she got it done in the first round with that beautiful rear naked choke and you could tell it was so clean it was so tight she had it perfectly it couldn't have been done any better and then just to see the excitement on her face and i was privileged enough to be there with her manager and her parents and sparring partner and everyone was jumping up and down and screaming it was over the moon it's perfect i'm so happy for her she's just the kindest person like you said and she's amazing. She's a beautiful, glorious human and a yeah. fabulous fighter. You you couldn't wish better on anyone better. Right. It's one of those deals where finally something good happened to somebody good. So it was one of those deals that we're all really, really stoked over the moon about. And apparently either I need to be there or you need to be there in person. And she'll just keep getting first round finishes because the last time out I was there and she got the first round KO and you were there for this one and she got the first round sub. So one of us has to make sure we're in all of the uh, JDC fights moving forward. All right. So once again, congratulations to the new Adam Waite champ, Jillian Lionheart. DeCourcy. Okay, let's go ahead and move over to Long Beach, California and Bellator 286. Um, I'll do our co-main and main events first. The co-main was at 155 pounds between AJ McKee 
and Spike Carlisle. AJ got the unanimous decision in that one and really bloodied up Spike. Holy smokes, I saw some pictures. Yikes. <laughs> and then the main event, Patricio Pitbull uh, beat Adam Borex by a clear-cut UD in that one as well. And then let's get into our Rhino Gang roundup. At 125 pounds, we had last week's guest, Sumiko Lady Samurai Inaba. Uh, I watched this whole fight just beat the shit out of Nadine Mandel from start to finish. Uh, Nadine looked so much bigger than Sumiko, but Sumiko did a great job of closing the distance, especially with the jab and the teep. Uh, got the UD in that one. Moving into 155, we had Rhino Gang member J.J. Wilson, the Maori kid, beat Vladimir Tokov by split decision in a very close fight. And then finally, Jeremy Kennedy fighting, you know, one of the hottest prospects in the whole entire landscape of MMA, Aaron Pico. And um, in the first round, at some point in the first round, I think it was quite, quite kind of early, Aaron Pico dislocated his shoulder, um, showed what an incredible tough son of a gun the guy is and finished out the round. But they tried popping it back into place in between rounds, but he just couldn't come out. The doctor wouldn't clear him to uh, come out for the second round. So Jeremy Kennedy got the win TKO um, after the first round with VA injury. So literally all three Rhino gang won last night at Bellator 286, which I'm super stoked on. So thank you very much, all of you, <laughs> for getting those wins and making me feel happy and give me some serotonin. So thank you very much. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into our meat of the matters we like to say around here. UFC Fight Night Vegas 61. Our first fight was also a Rhino Gang member, Randy the Zohan Acosta versus Guido Canetti, one of the one of my memory, uh, members of the over 40 club who I always try to root for, but this one was quick. Guido kicked uh, Randy's leg out from underneath him, followed him to the ground, took his back, slapped on the RNC without any hooks in, and he tapped out... Uh, Randy very early in the first round. So big win for Guido Canetti over that one, over Randy. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that one. All right, moving into our second fight, another Rhino Gang member. And it was really nice to get both of the Rhino Gang fights out of the way early because they're the ones I really am emotionally invested in. So we had our girl Chelsea Chandler versus Julia Stolarienko. And then there was an immediate takedown for Julia. Um, very quickly thereafter, Chelsea was able to reverse it, do some ground and pound. When they got back up, a beautiful 2-3 for Chelsea. Really seemed to hurt Julia and stumble her and make her go back. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, like, really, a lot of the rest of the fight was just Chelsea getting on top, being heavy, landing ground and pound, and then finally got the TKO over Julia Solerenko. And that one, holy smokes, Chelsea Chandler has arrived. This was at the catchweight of 140. And, and during the interview with uh, Paul Felder afterwards, she said, she's like, look, if you give me time, I can do 135. But if you want me to fight again quickly, I can at 145. So uh, she made a couple of call-outs. I would love to see Chelsea Chandler fight consistently at 145. I think that's her proper weight class. I think she can really do some damage. And again, we've been talking for a long time. If you're if you're, if you're going to keep 145 on the women's side, you got to beef it up. There is talent out there. Bring them in. Let's build up that division. I think Chelsea Chandler can do a great job in that division moving forward. So big win for her. Rhino, gang, gang, gang. All right. Let's get into our third fight with the very talented Brendan Allen against longtime veteran Christoph Jocko. Um, Allen slipped on a kick early and Jocko got on top, but then Brendan was, Brendan was able to reverse it. Um, once they got back up to the feet, Allen took him down again and then took him down a second time, uh, put on the rear naked choke, got Christoph Jocko out of there. So Brendan Allen with another finish, another win. Got the submission, rear naked choke in the first round. So big win for him. We got a question about him a little bit later on in the show. Moving into our 155 pounds, we had Joaquin Silva versus Jesse Ronson. Not much happened in the first. They were both throwing stuff, but nothing was really landing. Jesse had a couple of body kicks, but again, 
<clears throat> not a whole lot was going on in that first round that was actually landing. And then towards the end, a big knee uh, to, to to Jesse Ronson's face from Silva put him down. You know, if there would have been maybe 10 or 15 more seconds, it would have been over. Uh, and then they get into the second round and some jabs and some body shots early, some stance switching for Joaquin Silva. And then he threw that flying knee again, and that right knee clocked Jesse Ronson right on the chin, put him down, fight was over. I mean, my God. I mean, it was a little bit GMP, but really that knee was all it took. And then Joaquin Silva got the uh, TKO in the second round over Jesse Ronson. So we had a couple of cancellations I just want to make sure I mention before we get into our fifth fight. Tabitha Ricci was supposed to fight Jessica Penne. Penne pulled out with apparent bronchitis. And then Maxime Grishin and Felipe Linz were supposed to fight as well. At 205, Linz was not medically cleared. I don't know if it was a weight-cutting issue. I haven't heard much more about that. So we did lose two fights um, from 260, from 261, from Vegas 61 last night. So fifth fight, we had Alexio Linick, another member of the uh, the few guys on the roster who are actually older than I am, so of course I love them. And then again, another member of the Over 40 Club, Ayurla TV. This one was not the best fight, okay? Everybody knows I am a oh. stan of the heavyweight division. I love heavyweights. It's my favorite. Always will be. This one was kind of boring. There wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot that landed. There wasn't a ton of techniques. There wasn't a ton of action. You know what I mean? There was a takedown from Latifi. Not my in the first, a little bit of ground and pound. Uh, he threw a couple overhand rights, one which that landed pretty pretty flush, but Olenek was able to you know get through it. There was some body work done and some clinching, but again, not a real exciting fight. A year Latifi definitely got the win, the clear-cut win uh, by UD in that one over Alexi Olenek. I hope Alexi Olenek isn't done yet. I really want to see him go out with a win, and I know there's plenty of people he can beat, especially if he gets into the ground and puts on one of his incredible Ezekiel chokes. So that was that for the heavyweights last night. Moving into our sixth fight, which was John Castaneda versus Daniel Santos at a catch weight of 140 pounds. Holy fuck, Tori, what a fight. Oh my God. <laughs> John and Daniel were fucking bucking from the very beginning, dude. Take down attempt for Santos, totally uh, sprawled out by Castaneda. Then they got up and uh, he used that guillotine actually to get up. They were just going back and forth, dude. Castaneda landed a couple of head kicks that really wobbled Santos, hurt him bad. And then he kind of emptied the tank, I think, trying to get him out of there, which I, I don't. I think we would all do in that situation. But Daniel Santos showed how incredibly tough he is, total terminator, came in in the second round and just kept pouring it on, dude. Daniel Santos was throwing one, two, three, four, five, six, while moving forward. Like, Castaneda did a good job of blocking most, but some were getting through. And then finally, dude, <clears throat> Finally, dude, he 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 got him down. Um, got the TKO in the second. Holy shit, Daniel Santos is a fucking killer. TKO in the second round, win over John Castaneda, which again was a great showing for John as well. What a fight! Fantastic job, both guys. Can't wait to see both of them next at their normal weight of uh, of 135 pounds. Moving into our seventh fight, we had Mike Davis versus Vacheslav Borishev, also known as Slava Claus, and this one was interesting. Okay, so Mike Davis was landing some really beautiful uppercuts. Now, he was really kind of seen as more of the guy who should have been taking it to the ground. And when they were on the feet, Slava Claus was was piecing them up. I mean, Mike Davis was landing some stuff, but every time he wanted to, Davis could take Slava Claus down. Slava Claus is a fantastic kickboxer, a world champion, 18-2, uh, and two, I believe they said his record was. But Mike Davis was still choosing to stand up with him, I think, too much. And what he did, he was getting hurt. But every time he would take him down, he could hold him down. He could land his ground upon. He was dominant on the ground, which ended up giving him a UD in that one after three. Um, yeah, Mike Davis, the big win over a very good fighter. And again, 
Slava Claus has got to learn how to get up from bottom, too. That's really he is very good on his feet, but really the ground game has proven to be the kryptonite for him. Uh, so really, I hope he improves. Uh, from there, and I really look forward to Mike Davis. He's a big 155er. He's a really good on the ground, and I think he's a pretty good prospect. So we're looking forward to that one for uh, his next one. Speaking of former prospects, but now right away in the top tier of 145, Super Sadiq Youssef. <laughs> this was an odd situation. He was fighting Don Shannis, um, a very late replacement who was making his UFC debut, and then Super Sadiq did what he should have, um, fighting that level of competition, put the tie plum on right away, started landing knees, uh, knee after knee after knee to the body, slapped on a guillotine after Don kind of tried to shoot in to stop that knee onslaught, put on that fucking guillotine and, and tapped him out in just 30 seconds. Um, Super Sadiq Youssef is somebody who I've talked about on the show at length many times. I love this dude. I think he is so talented and we haven't even seen the best of what's yet to come for him. So we got a question about him a little later on. So we'll get into that a little bit later. All right, moving into our ninth fight. We have Hani Barsolos versus Trevin Jones. <clears throat> Hani got the trip takedown. Lots of top control. There was lots of clinch work in the second. Jones wasn't doing anything, really. I mean, he was throwing some stuff, but he wasn't landing at all. I think they said after two rounds, he'd only landed like nine strikes, right? So he just couldn't get the distance. Hani Barcelos, you know, was definitely the aggressor. Um, but again, not much was landing for either guy. Then he got a takedown. He got some top control. Again, not the most exciting fight in the world. Hani Barcelos got the UD in that one over Trevin Jones. Uh, moving into our 10th fight, which was the co-main event. We have someone who I've loved for over a decade, Francisco Trinaldo. Also older than the right dad <laughs> versus Randy Rudeboy Brown, who normally I'm a big fan of, but besides, because I'm such a big Francisco Trinalo fan, I was definitely rooting against Randy Brown last night. Randy did a great job. Uh, when you were so much taller than your opponent and you fight tall like he did with the teeps and with the jabs and with the, you know, sticking and moving and getting out of the way, it was a really smart game plan. Francisco would try to blitz in sometimes and land a couple shots, which he did. But as far as the work rate and as far as the significant strikes and as far as, you know, hitting and not getting hit, Randy Brown did a great job. Really, really high fight IQ uh, shown last night. Francisco Trinaldo won the third round. You know, he took him down, landed some ground and pound, but it wasn't enough. Randy definitely won the first two. So that gave him the UD in that one over Francisco Trinaldo, which moves us into our main event. <clears throat> I could break this down round by round because, of course, I watched it like everybody else did. Mm -hmm. What it really boils down to is... Two of the rounds, Mackenzie Dern was able to take uh, Jan Shonan down and do her grappling thing, but not in any way get close to really landing a submission, I thought. Jan Shonan did a great job on the ground of, of avoiding, of staying calm, of staying patient, of putting herself in the correct position to not get submitted. And when they were on the feet, was landing more harder and faster than Mackenzie Dern. So really, to, I don't know. I, I guess there are some people who are, were calling for that to be the, it was the wrong decision. And to me, it was clear as fucking day. It was three rounds to two rounds for Jan Shonan. So absolutely the right person won at 115 pounds last night. I love Mackenzie Dern. And I, I think she's a, you know, a future champion, which again, we have a question about a little bit later on, but Jan Shonan clearly won three of the rounds. Mackenzie Dern clearly won two. That's three to two. I'm no mathematician, but that means she won. <laughs> so that's that's going to conclude our breakdown of UFC Vegas 61. So let's get into my drop of the night. I don't know, Tori, if you want to have one too, but I definitely am going with uh, Joaquin Silva over Jesse Ronson with that flying knee, the right knee landing right on his jaw. Jeff, definitely Joaquin Silva over Jesse Ronson. Did you have a different one? 
No, honestly, same one. There weren't too many drops to really pick from. So right. I think it was a clear cut winner. It was so easy to just go with that one. hundred percent, dude. I love a flying knee. Anything. And I've talked about this before, anything non-boxing, like things that you can do in MMA that we can't do in boxing. I, I, I love because just because they're so different and they're unique to me and my experience. So yeah, a flying knee, fucking love it. That'll, that'll almost always get, or like a wheel kick. Wheel kicks and flying knees are almost a sure going to win drops of the night. All right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our, uh, our Q&A with our writing questions. I know our first one comes from the homie Rage Sweet Potato from up in Canada Way. And we're all glad you're so safe and sound up there after the storm, my guy. So, RSP, what do you got for us for the first question, dude? Could you explain? Explain the advantages and disadvantages of being the shorter, taller fighter. Definitely, dude. So I'm going to do that just for MMA, right? So for the taller fighter, it clearly has the advantage on the feet because they have the ability to land a strike and then get out of range before the return strike comes. So that's a big advantage for somebody who's taller and who has longer uh, arm and leg reach. But when they get to the ground, length can actually be a disadvantage sometimes. Your limbs are so long that makes submissions more present. And they also, you can get them to different angles on the joints, which means sometimes you can pull off a knee bar or an arm bar on somebody with a really long arm and put more pressure on that joint from a different position than you could if they were shorter and stockier, right? So besides that, um, part of the height that's also a disadvantage is you have a much higher center of gravity. So if somebody short and stocky goes to take you down, they are going to have that ability before you're able to kind of get down and lower your center of gravity to kind of shoot that two right through you and get you down to the ground. So the big advantage is clearly on the feet with the striking, with the arms and the legs um, and being able to get hit and not get hit via distance. But the disadvantages of being taller are, like I said, the submissions and being able to be taken down because your center of gravity is so much higher. So for your first question, RSP, that is my answer on that one, my dude. I know we got another one from you, and Tori, take that one away. All right, second question from RSP. Mike Goldberg or John Anik? And what's your favorite call that they made? <clears throat> so it's funny that Goldie often catches shit, especially now um, that John Anik has kind of been the voice for so long, him and Joe Rogan, obviously. But as far as the as far as Goldie, I've always liked Goldie. Um for that to be said, it's, of course, John Anik. <laughs> John Anik is Rhino Gang. I've had him on the show. He was awesome. He was lovely. He was great. I think he is so good. He is so talented. There is no one thing that Goldie ever called that I was like, wow, that's his moment. But I will always think of what I think of him as, it's all over or virtually identical. <laughs> like those, like we see that meme on MMA Twitter, right? But, yeah, those are the two things that Goldie ever said. And then when I had John on, I talked about this. For me, the most like iconic call that he ever made or even word that he spoke was during when Habib jumped over the cage and was going after Dylan and Dennis and all that chaos ensued. And then John just goes, mayhem. And like that always will stick with me. I talked to him about it and it was like, I, I still, when I think of John Haddock, I still think of that call just calling mayhem like that. It was fucking brilliant. I loved it. So yeah, I'm definitely John Haddock full life and i appreciate it so very yeah dude definitely great question again rsp thank you so much my dude all right tori our next one comes from my homie doc doc what do you got for us this week my dude there were three fighters on the card 42 and over last night you've often talked about rooting for the over 40 club in your opinion what's the main reason we're seeing guys be able to compete at the highest levels of combat sports over the age of 40 these days 
<clears throat> so there were a few examples of that in boxing back in the day. I mean, obviously George Foreman winning the heavyweight championship at 45 years old. I want to say that was back in 93, I think. Don't quote me on that year, but I think it was 93. Um, but yeah, dude, MMA has become different in like, let's say the last 10 years or so. And there's, of course, there's a ton of reasons why, you know, uh, nutrition and all kinds of things. But I think the number one reason is the intensity and frequency of hard sparring and training has totally been adjusted. In my day, all through coming up, it was hard spar, hard spar all the time. Spar, 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 spar. And that was, that's still kind of the prevailing thought in too many boxing gyms, I think. But in MMA, it's kind of being more seen. That's an, that's an archaic way of thinking. We no longer have to spar really hard four or five days a week because all it does is, is have detriment to your body and to your brain and to your ability to continue your career at a high level well into your 40s. <clears throat> so I think now with the implementation of more technique sparring, right? More going at like 30, 40%, just trying to land soft little tabs and work on techniques. I think that's really a prevailing factor into the longevity of fighters careers nowadays. And so, yeah, that's what I think is the biggest reason on that one. And again, what a great question, doc. And yes, I will always root for the over 40 club for forever um, on here. So yeah, great question. My dude, thank you so much. All right, let's get into our fourth question, which comes from the homie Brian from the Holman sale holster. What do you got for us this week, dude? If big, if super city gets his wish, and his next fight is with the Korean zombie. How do you see that fight going? Oh, so funny you go, if. <laughs> <laughs> for me, that's a big <laughs> if. <laughs> yeah, that was a big if. So what a call out, first of all, for Super Sadiq naming the Korean zombie as his preferred next opponent. I mean, that's fucking brilliant. I didn't even think about that. Um, dude, it'll be so good if that fight actually happens. So Sadiq, here's the difference. Sadiq is on his way up, right? Korean zombie is in the latter part of his career. I love zombie. I've been a huge zombie fan since the WEC days, dude. But again, this is super Sadiq we're talking about. Super Sadiq is getting better every day. And I think zombie is really fighting hard just to stay where he's at. I, and you got to remember, and I say it all the time. It's not the age. It's the miles. Korean zombie has his name Korean zombie because he has been able to take and overcome so much punishment. Super Sadiq has not super Sadiq is younger. He is stronger. He is faster. Um, I gotta, I gotta go with Super Sadiq on that one. I think it would be like a, like a late TKO, and not that the not the Korean Zombie would stop, but that the referee would stop him. You know, maybe he was accumulating too many punches and kicks on the feet or knees. Um, so yeah, I do think Super Sadiq would win that fight late third, maybe mid third round. But still love Zombie, and anything could happen. But yeah, that, if I got to make a pick on that so prematurely, that's what I'm going to do for sure. So, Holster, thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get into our fifth and final write-in question, which comes from the Scream Queen Supreme, our girl Jess. Jess, what do you got for us this week? I love Jess. I just got a shout-out for her for a second. Sure. <laughs> Brendan Allen looks amazing. He has two losses, one by a striker and the other by Strickland. Who would you like to see him against next? Oh, great question, homie. Yeah, he had a big win last night versus Christoph Jocko. Very tough, longtime veteran. And in the post interview, he mentioned two names. He said Andre Muniz or Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. And while I like the idea of both, and Muniz would be a good fight, Fluffy, dude, that's definitely the one I'm hoping happens. They are both so talented, not just on the feet, which they both are, but they are both fantastic, not only on the ground with submissions and submission defense, but scrambling. 
These two motherfuckers can scramble their asses off when need be. So you're talking about two guys who are truly well-rounded, truly good on both their feet and on the ground. What an explosive chemical reaction that would be if those two guys were to get in there and go. So yeah, I'm definitely hoping for Brendan Allen Allen versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez coming to a cage near us soon. That's what I'm hoping for. So awesome question, Jess. All right, let's get into our voice questions, which again, I've been saying the last couple weeks, there is something amiss with the voicemails for some people and then other people can leave it no problem. So I, I, I don't know what else to say about that. So I'm appreciative that we've got three today. Our first one comes from our homie, Ty, the fly guy from the front kicks of throw Cutters pod. Ty, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, it's Ty, your Denver Broncos loving fanatic. So I didn't really get a whole chance to watch the whole card. Um, just had some other obligations to deal with. I did get to see a little bit about the, the Mackenzie Dern and Yon fight. Um, from what I understand, it was close. Um, not sure about robbery. I'd have to watch it again just to see. I did see the scorecards. Um, I know it's kind of tough. Um, tough loss for Mackenzie Dern. Um, my question for you is... Do you think there'll be at any point Mackenzie Dern will fight for the title or maybe even win the title? I think she can if she can work on that, if she can work on her stand-up a little bit, at least from what I know. But yeah, let me know what you think. And I love the show, and I'll catch you later. Peace. Yes to both, homie. Um, her stand-up has definitely improved, but more than that, like, I think her sense of urgency, that really needs to improve. It really needs to kick in much faster, especially when she's down around. <clears throat> now, you could say that very same thing about a lot of fighters in the UFC, so I'm not picking on Mackenzie Dern. I'm just saying her sense of urgency really needs to improve. I think her striking is going to continue to improve because you just you only get better with time and experience, and I think it will. Um, I think Jan Shonan just was better last night, and I think that Mackenzie Dern still showed improvement in some areas, but again, the striking needs to keep coming along and then the sense of urgency, right? Cause there's lots of times where she like really plays the long game in, in, in setting up a submission and you can't do that at the highest of the high level. Um, you gotta, you gotta figure it out, find it and then go for it. Right. And, and I think she'll learn that more as time wears on, but yeah, dude, I definitely think we can see Mackenzie Dern, uh, hold gold before the end of her fucking career, for sure. She's still very young, has still has lots to learn, and she is phenomenal at jiu-jitsu and a submission. So, yeah, I definitely think that's a distinct possibility, my guy. So thank you very much, Ty. Make sure you check him out at Front Clicks and Throw Cuddles Pod. He's my Denver Broncos loving fanatic. All right. So we got two from the Juicy Fruit, baby. Let's get into our first one. Juice, what do you got for us first this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, it's Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Last night before the fight started, I saw a tweet um, from someone on the time under show remained nameless, and it said, oh, this main event is between the best grappler in division and the worst grappler in division. Wonder what the outcome will be. And I was like, yeah, I can see what you're implying, but I don't know about that because A, every round starts on the feet, and B, I just don't know about it. I don't know if it's that certain. And the fight played out, and you saw what happened. Uh, while McKenzie's grappling was effective, Jan's defense held up and was able to get a decision and piece her up on the feet as well. So do you think this is attributed to Jan's move to Team Alpha Male, or I guess Team Alpha, or uh, what do you think? 
get at me. Yeah, definitely. The move to Team Alpha Male has been a has paid huge dividends. Uh, not only with her takedown defense, her submission defense, her overall ground game, but like the thing that impressed me the most, and I think she already had this, is just getting better. Not only her toughness, but her ability to stay calm and not panic. That's what impressed me the most from last night. There are so many fighters who would just fucking panic when you have someone as good at the submission game as Mackenzie Dern is who takes your back or who pulls your arm out from behind your body and has it behind you like chicken wing style. <clears throat> I think so many fighters would panic and freak out and just lose via submission. Jan Shonan showed incredible toughness and incredible way to stay calm in the fire. Huge, huge uh, leaps and bounds improvements in her overall game, but especially in those aspects since the move over to Team Alpha Male. So, yeah, definitely that's my thoughts on that one. So, Juice, we got one more question from you via voicemail. What's your second one for us this week, my guy? Hey, it's Juice again with another question. You probably have already gotten this question a few times. But wasn't sure if it was phrased exactly the way I'm going to phrase it or what have you, or just in case, going to throw it anyway. What was the deal with that friggin' lizard Mark Zuckerberg renting out the whole audience, or renting out the whole Apex and being the only one in the audience with his wife, I think? I mean, it was thrown around as a rumor during Fight Week. When And what I thought was funny, I don't know if you heard this as well, apparently during during Media Week, Mackenzie Dern had said this rumor, but also said that she, is, during negotiations for the fight, explicitly asked to like fight in front of fans because she attended one of the like Florida events or whatever and was like, oh, I want to fight in fans again. Not only did they put her at the Apex, they put her at the one event that's like pr- uh, private. So like, what the hell is going on there? But just just your thoughts on like, what do you think w- w- Mark Zuckerberg was doing there? Is he just a massive Mackenzie Dern fan? Are they testing out some like metaverse shit? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I think you already kind of nailed it, buddy. I think Mark was trying to see how the how the operation kind of runs up close. And I think that's for a future business venture. I think he's got something in the works. And I think he and Dana are talking about it. And they wanted to do one like, hey, I need to see everything from very up close with very minimal uh, fans around, with very minimal outside interference. I want to see all the guts and how it all works without any media or anything else there. Here's my problem with it, dude. Fuck that. Media needs to be there. Fans need to be there. We had to spend a long time with no fans available to be there. And now somebody comes in just like, you know, runs out the whole thing and other fans can't be the come on, dude. No, no, no. I don't like that one bit. I want fans. I want media. I want all the coverage. The, the post-fight pressers. I, I, we, that's all part of the fucking grandiose spectacle that is the UFC. So, yeah, I, I hope that never happens again. And, yeah, so that's my answer on that one, dude, definitely. So, Juicy Fruit, baby, thank you very much. Make sure you check him out at the Friendly Sparring Pod with him and Leo. All right. Tori, let's go ahead and get our 10 rounds with Rhino with Sean Lucky McPadden after a quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at KR Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, 
cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Oh, Fight Fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds with Rhino this week. Six and one, LFA Bantamweight, Sean Lucky McPadden is joining us. Yes, tonight, Sean. Thank you so much for taking the time today, sir. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Hell yeah, broski. So basically, the first round with Rhino is always the same for the fighters that we have on because I never get tired of hearing the stories. What's the origin story of how you first got involved in this crazy world of MMA, dude? Oh, man. Origin story. So uh, I was always a scrappy kid. I played 14 years of hockey. Uh, I ended up getting kicked off the hockey team for some extracurricular activities. And I needed a place to kind of put all the energy uh, that I had as a kid and fell into martial arts. And I started off just doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then a week later, uh, I told my mom I was going to do MMA. She said no, so I did it anyway. (laughs) And, man, I just kept going. And, hell, 12 years later, here we are. Fucking amazing, broski. Um, At the time we were recording this, you just fought it. It was a couple weeks ago. Uh, at LFA 142 versus Michael Sear, where you pulled off a second-round guillotine. I know it's super soon after, like, that fight just took place, but do you have any idea? I mean, you're unscathed, you know what I mean? Do you have any idea when you'd like to get back? Has there been any talk about when you're going to get back in the cage? You know, is there anything you can tell us? Yeah, so uh, the next day, the Saturday after the fight, I kind of threw out a feeler. Uh, I came out unscathed. I Weight was good. I feel good. I'm ready to rock and roll. I uh, threw out a feeler to uh, a bunch of promoters and got like 10 different fight offers uh, in October and November. I mean, hey, the Sean Lucky McPadden show is the show everybody wants to see. There's no doubt about that. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, but ended up settling on something around uh, November 19th. Uh, I'm working uh, with the North Iowa promotions that I worked with in May to lock in another fight. Unfortunately, we've already gone through two different opponents who have said no, but that's nothing new to me. Uh, I don't worry so much about the opponents. I just bring, you know, I bring myself to the cage and whoever they put in front of me, you know, I escort them out in a body bag like usual. (laughs) Dude, heel hooks, uh, triangle chokes, rear nakeds, guillotines, arm bars. You have won fights with all of these different techniques. Is there one that stands out, like, as a favorite that you like to use, or is just any submission is what you're looking to get to finish the fight? My favorite submission I've ever got was I was uh, defending my 135-pound amateur title. I throw a uh, versus Jesse Fisher. Yeah, there's a YouTube video of it. Dude, if you haven't seen it, I think it's an awesome, like, little clip in the second round. I throw a spin hook kick miss. Uh, he catches it on top of the shoulder, 
takes me down. I fall into the triangle choke, finish the choke. Dude, it was just sweet. It was just like, I don't know, it was just money. It was perfect flow, and I couldn't ask more. I like for like a beautiful highlight to like really showcase who I am and my technique and my abilities, especially in the submission game. Oh yeah, dude, for sure. Like I watched, um, I watched all your pro fights that I could find. I didn't go back far enough because I definitely want to check that one out. So yeah, I'll definitely find that on YouTube later, bro. So obviously, Sean McPadden is a very Irish name. So I think <laughs> it's safe to it's safe to guess that's the reason behind Lucky. Um, at least that's my guess. Is there a different reason where Lucky became your um, your nickname? Hey man, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And <laughs> Midwest, blue collar Midwestern kid. I work fucking hard. I work as hard as anyone has ever worked. And that's why I'm better than anyone I'm ever going to be in the cage with. Yeah, dude, Miss Midwestern tough. I love having Midwesterners on the show because we're just built different, bro. And I love to fucking have it. So, and I think it's the cold. I think that's a big part of it. I think that most of us are brought up in that absolute blue collar mentality and you just work. You work and you grind, and even if you don't feel good, and even if you're tired, and even if it's snowy and shitty weather out, you still work, and it really pays off dividends, dude. So, dude, you're just 27 years old, but you've got over eight years in the game. We all improve from the time we start to where, to where we're at currently, right? Of course, that's a given. But there are certain areas of the game that we get better at, and we can see a marked improvement. What do you think, what aspect of your game do you think you've improved on the absolute most from the time you got started in the Amis to where you're at right now? Ooh, I think I've gone through different stages of my career in which I've really focused on uh, different martial arts and then the application of those martial arts to my MMA game. Uh, early on, I was definitely a heavy jujitsu player, I was looking to sub guys left and right, and I did a good job of that. And, you know, I've kind of continued to develop that under uh, my head coach, Chris McCoon, who's a former Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Uh, then it moved on to I wanted to put the hands on people. I wanted to show off the Muay Thai. I mean, you really see that illustrated with my knee game uh, over my past couple of fights. I mean, when I hit guys with knees, it's just stabbing them over and over and over again with my spears. So after the Muay Thai, I moved on to the wrestling. Now guys struggle to take me down. They can't hold me down. I can take them down when I want to. You know, I'm, I've become very complete in that sense where there's not an area in my game where I'm like, oh, that guy's going to be able to dominate me there. And that's why I carry myself with the level of confidence that I do have because I'm fantastic everywhere. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a top 20 fighter in the world. I just got to prove it. And the in the last piece that I've added uh, since May is my nutrition. So I started working with the Minnesota Vikings nutritionist, and she has my shit dialed the fuck in. When I say you have no idea what I'm going to bring to the cage next time, dude, I look like a fucking gorilla out there last last time. It's only going to get I'm only going to get bigger. I'm only going to get stronger. I'm only going to get faster. I'm going to start knocking fools out left and right. I'm excited to see what I get to put on for everyone. 
I love it, dude. And I'm all fucking in on this. And I fucking, I'm stoked right now. Like, you're getting me hyped up, dude. We got to settle down. It's late night for us here. <laughs> so as we know, when we're training, dude, music is a big part of our training program. It helps us when we're doing our road work. It helps us in the gym, stay motivated, stay hyped up. So what are some things on Lucky McPadden's playlist right now, dude? Man, as of recently, I have been, it's kind of weird because I'm not a country guy, but I've been listening to some country recently, uh, Old Glory by Seth Anthony, Outlaws and Outsiders by Corey Marks, otherwise I got uh, Get Off My Dick by J. Cole, <laughs> Moment of Clarity by Jay-Z, got The Devil Is Alive by Rick Ross, I mean, I kind of switch it up, I got Cinderella Man by Eminem. Is a handful of different things. I'm, you know, I'm a man of many different tastes. In sure. That. Why limit myself to one thing? I mean, there's so much beauty in the world. I'm with it, dude. So, now, speaking of beauty in the world, when you are stepping away from the MMA world, away from the cage, away from training, away from all that fucking work and pressure, when it's time to just relax, it's time to just fucking chill out, hang out with the friends, family, whatever it is like you do. What are some things that you like to do away from the MMA world? Just kind of have some fun and, you know, have a good time, dude. Uh, I absolutely love to get out and hike, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy nature, enjoy the fresh air. A uh, big goal of mine is to buy a camper van and travel all over with my girlfriend and the dog and swim in lakes that people, you know, swim in mountain lakes and hike trails that people haven't been on in years and years and years uh i'd love to hike the pacific crest trail the entire thing from mexico all the way to canada like that's my shit right there like there's a certain level of peace and beauty i find in nature and that's what i love to do absolutely that's a great answer now i've been asking this one for the past i don't know three four months i think and for some fighters dude it's real easy they know right off the top of their head and for other fighters, it takes them a while to kind of struggle through figuring it out. So we'll see how you do. If you weren't a fighter, if fighting, and I know it's really hard to wrap your head around this, but if fighting was not an available thing to do for a career, what do you think you would be doing in its stead? I would be in a jail, or a jail cell or a box. That is not a uncommon answer, my friend, for real. I would 100% be in a jail cell or a box. Uh, I was, martial arts pulled me out of kind of a a lifestyle and a path that I was heading down that I've seen uh, more so former friends head down and uh, being the person I am, you know, I, I have an addictive personality and I go hard at the things that I get addicted to. Uh, I, I have a feeling I would be ended up at one of those things. Uh, if not, uh, probably a nurse, to be honest. Uh, okay. I, I actually went to nursing school for <clears throat> So and figured out through that process that as much as I love to help people, heal people and build them up, that wasn't my calling. You know, God gave me many gifts, uh, but a left and a right hand were two of them. And fuck, I got to use these things. <laughs> now, you are a big 135er. Anybody who sees you fight, you're like, this motherfucker, he's a big 35er. <laughs> so when we are when we are training and we're trying to make that weight, 
we got to cut weight, dude. And part of cutting weight, there's one of the biggest bitches of it all, is you really got to take away some of the foods you love, some of the foods you love to indulge in, some things that we really enjoy to eat. Once the fight is over, Sean, and all the training is done and all the stress is off and you're out with your friends, your lady, everybody, your training partners, and you really get to throw down on some grub, what are you going for and where are you going to get it from? Bro, I'm a fucking ice cream addict. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I have a Ben and Jerry's. I will eat a pint of ice cream a night, like, for a week. It's so bad. Uh, otherwise, I'm a sushi fiend, too. So, uh, Sushi's I, pretty clean, though. You know what I mean? Even, it, even if you get a lot of it. It's not too bad. Uh, but usually, outside of, like, outside of fight camp, uh, I'll get sushi once a week and... Try to have ice cream once or twice. Self <laughs> to it. You had me a Ben and Jerry's dude because that that's been brought up before, and they've got one. I don't know if you ever had it, but it's called Everything But the Kitchen Sink. Is one oh. of their flavors. Oh my god, it's yeah. my favorite. It's my favorite ice cream, dude. Dublin mudslide and a salted caramel brownie. Whoa. Ah, <laughs> uh, like the Dublin mudslide's got like fudge and caramel swirls we gotta stop talking about this I yeah would, yeah yeah my bad dude <laughs> have a late night snack right 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 no that's my fault i, I should have brought it up my bad <laughs> <laughs> so we've actually careened our way into the 10th round sean it's the easiest round of them all just share your social medias with everybody so all my fam and the rhino gang can get on board the lucky train and we can all fucking you know keep tabs on you moving forward and i'll support you out uh, through for your next fight dude Yes, sir. So my Instagram is going to be Sean underscore Lucky underscore McPadden. My Facebook page is going to be Sean Lucky McPadden. Uh, Twitter, I almost never post on, so I'm not even going to mention it. But those are the big ones that you're going to find me posting on. I posted a sick picture today with me, Mike Richmond, and a couple training partners, too. Super, super excited for that man uh, to pop off when a BKB interim uh, World title, even though we all know Mike is the real champ, no doubt about it. Man's a fucking savage. Uh, also want to give another shout out to John Sexy Mexi Castaneda, who's fighting this weekend. My brother, go get that fucking work done, sir. Uh, otherwise, all the boys in the doghouse, thank you for the training and shit like that. Let's keep grinding. We went 5-1 and one at LFA. Let's keep it up, boys. Hell yeah, everybody. Well, like I said, fam, follow this man, Sean Lucky McPadden on both. Instagram, everywhere else that he mentioned on his socials. And, dude, we so appreciate you taking the time today. This guy's a killer. Everybody fucking check him out. And then I'm definitely going to go back and look for that YouTube, that sweet, slick submission for sure, my guy. So, again, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time today, my dude. And we definitely want to have you on again down the road. Appreciate you, Rhino. Thank you, brother. This is Sean Lucky McPadden, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino, baby. Sean, thank you so much, my dude. We are super stoked. We can't wait to see you in the cage next time. Um... And, uh, yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time out, my brother. So thank you so much, my guy. All right, we want to give a shout-out to our outro for our forum contributors to the Rangers Street Potato times two, to my homie the Doc, to Brian from the Home and Sale, to the Scream Queen Supreme. We've just had their spooky season. We're in spooky season. It's Halloween. This is just this is just times to shine. <laughs> of course, Juicy Fruit Baby times two. Uh, make sure you check him out at the Friendly Sparring Pod, like I said. Of course, the Ty the Fly Guy from the Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles Pod. <clears throat> I definitely want to thank our girl, Tempting Tori, 
for filling in this again this week and being able to co-host and of giving her a uh, first-hand account of the amazing win by our girl Julian DeCourcy from Invicta. And then make sure you check out Tori's OnlyFans. Her link is in her bio. Her whole link tree is in her bio. So check that out and see what you want to uh, uh, check out from Tori over there on her OnlyFans and the rest of her link tree. Of course, the Kairos, Brat, Jessica from What's Up Weirdo Pod, Ashley, the MMA nerd, Cyrus King, all the ladies of the PRG, my underdog MMA fam, Monica, Chrissy, Katie, Jason, and the new Invicta Attaway champion, Jillian DeCourcy, Chris from Unmatched MMA, Miss Fight Diva, Tom and Sandy, Mike Morgan, Chisanga Malata, my homies in the Rhino Gang GC. Thank you guys all so much, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. To the future player, Drea. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To Dave Fretz, holy smokes, what a goddamn poster. Again this week, my dude, thank you so much. Make sure you check him out on Twitter and Instagram, at Dave Fretz. As we love to say every week and week out, my friends, be kind. You never know what someone's going through. You give a smile, give a wave, say hello, call up a friend or if I remember you haven't talked to in a long time, reconnect. As we love to say also around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.